0: Uh, our scripture, uh, text this morning comes from 2 Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 through 13. The Lord's been uh, putting this scripture on my heart for uh, quite a while now. I got a, a crazy country cousin uh, that preaches in a little church uh, between uh, Kite and Wrightsville, Georgia. Uh, and he preached on this uh, passage of scripture at Tattnall Campground a while back. And, and I kind of put that on my mind, I've been reading through it a couple of times, and then a, a few months ago, we were uh, vacating with a few of our friend, close friends, and uh, they wanted me to do a Sunday morning devotional uh, before we travel back home, and so this is, this is the passage of scripture that I did that devotional, and when Bo asked me to fill in today, naturally this passage of scripture came to my mind. Uh, it's a story about David. Uh, I love stories about David. You know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. But if you look at his life, sometimes you say, Wait a minute, that don't look right. But that's a good lesson, and don't judge a book by its cover. The Lord knew David's heart. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, uh, even though sometimes he didn't act like it. But we're looking at the story of Mephibosheth this morning. say that real fast. And uh, in case you can't imagine what the... uh, Sermon is on this morning from the songs that we sing. It's about grace. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. But the title of our sermon is "Coming Out of Loaded Bar," and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. A lot of people don't have any idea of the magnitude of the grace that God gives us uh, each and and every day. The Bible. I want to give you just a few facts about grace. The Bible says, "By grace of God, we have been redeemed and forgiven." For by grace we are saved through faith in Christ and his word. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely. It is the peace of God given to the restless. It is the unmerited favor of God. We don't deserve it at all. John Stott, and I quote, says, Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues what kind of man would reach down his hand and save a wretch like me I think about those songs you know there's a song I can't remember the name of it but it's talking about he reached down his hand for me that's talking about the Lord and then the song that Jody just sang Squire Parsons did a song that says when I could not come to where you are you came to me that's grace that's what God did for us it's grace is getting what you don't deserve and it's not getting what you do deserve now I'm sure you've heard of the acronym grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense, God did exactly what Abraham told Isaac he would do, you remember He was to sacrifice Isaac, his son. And Isaac said, Dad, I see the wood and all that stuff, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus came. God came, became fully man. He was fully man and fully God. The Bible says he became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived that life that we could not live, and he died the death that you and I Deserved. That's grace. So this story this morning, Mephibosheth's story, is a great example of God's grace to us. Again, the sermon title is coming out of Lodibar. The focal point of our text this morning is through the example of grace that David showed Mephibosheth, we see a glimpse of God's grace towards us and us towards others. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. And if you don't have a Bible, it's in the Pew Bible, I think. It's on page 307. So would you please stand at this time for the reading of God's holy and and inerrant word. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amuel, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amuel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered back, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for such a dead dog as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. Now before we dive into the text, you may be seated. Before we dive into the text, I want to do a little history here uh, to get up to where we are with Mephibosheth in this passage of Scripture. You know, God called Israel to be a holy nation. They were a priest nation, uh, separated, set apart for His glory, and they were to live their lives in such a way that they would be an influence on other nations and draw them to understand and know the one true, true God. Uh, But what happened was, They listened to the other, they wanted to dabble with the other nations. They wanted to do what other nations did, kind of like us, you know, in the world. We want to dabble in the world, but we want God on our our side as well. Now, there's a contrast here between Israel and the church. The church is the true Israel, and God called us out of darkness into light. He said, you are the, I want you to be the salt of the earth and let your light show shine before men so that others will know me. And sometimes we dabble over into the world we let the world get in our lives and we get influenced by the world instead of, as Christians, influencing others to come to know the Lord himself. So Israel, they wanted a king like other nations. Other nations had kings. They wanted to have a king as well. And uh, so the Lord said, okay, you know, sometimes you have to be careful what you ask for. So the Lord gave him Saul, Samuel anointed Saul. And the Bible says that Saul was handsome, and he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Kind of like me, I reckon. <laughs> Except for that handsome part. Uh, but, but there's a lesson right here. Don't judge a book by its cover. Like we said earlier, God knows the heart. For he, he knew what, what was going to happen. Now, when Saul... He started out pretty good, but then he turned away from the Lord, the Scripture tells us. And uh, so, so the Lord anointed David as king. And then David spent most of the rest of his life running from Saul, so Saul was trying to kill him. But now Saul had a son named Jonathan and Jonathan and David were big buddies and they uh... matter of fact Jonathan saved helped save David's life on several occasions and uh... they made a covenant between the two of them said if one of them died the other one would look after their family now Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth and that brings us to where we are here so as we look at this passage of scripture this morning I want us to look at three kinds of relationships that Mephibosheth lived in during his life and also how those three relationships apply to us as well. This is a great story of God's amazing and marvelous grace. Uh, so the first one is living in a royal relationship. Now I said uh, Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. He was Saul's grandson. So, so he was... Uh, he was in the, in the kingdom. He was, they lived in the, uh, his grandfather was the king over Israel. He was the sovereign head of that, that kingdom. And uh, so he enjoyed some benefit from there. Now, when the queen died the other day, I was reading a few articles, and it talked about some of the privileges uh, that the queen had. And I just want to mention a few of them. The first one was she was the head of the kingdom. And, of course, she didn't have to pay taxes. Now, wouldn't that be a big benefit? Uh, I'd like to be in that kingdom for sure. Uh, She doesn't need a uh, driver's license to drive. The speed limit did not apply to her. Now, when I talked about the speed limit there, it reminded me, when I was growing up, we had a neighbor, elderly guy, that uh, he he had a, a red Studebaker truck. I mean, it was old, ancient. Red, but everywhere he went, his name was Mr. Frank McKevin, everywhere he went, he didn't drive over about 30-35 miles an hour. The speed limit, you know, they certainly couldn't arrest him for speeding. He'd be on the interstate doing that. But anyway, one morning Grady Franklin, a lot of y'all know Grady Franklin from itself, or Greedy Grady's, Uh, (laughs) he was going to the store, and Mr. Frank McKevin was going to the store. He come up alongside of Grady, And said, Grady, you want a ride? And Grady said, No, sir, I'm in a hurry. And took off running. (laughs) So speed limit doesn't matter. She can't be arrested. The the Queen of England couldn't. She gets to celebrate two birthdays. She owns her own ATM machine. Women would love that. (laughs) Now, she also has her own Poet. I don't think I would need that. I had a buddy one time said he was a poet and didn't know it. It could make a rhyme any old time. (laughs) But anyway, privileges. So she was born into that royal kingdom. She had certain privileges. Mephibosheth did as well. Let's look at a few of the privileges that he had. Um, Stevie and I were talking the other day about Bo's sermon last Sunday about Father's Day about Father's Advice. Remember that? Steve Owen. Stevie said he asked his daddy one time, like when he was working in the back all the time, why didn't he get paid? And his daddy sat him down and said, son, this is your pay. You've got food. You've got a place to stay. And what else? Clothes to wear. said, you don't need to get paid. That's some of the provisions that Mephibosheth had uh, I can just imagine if he, if he needed a new tenant, he'd just get to serve it to sew him one up. Or if he wanted a, a bacon and egg sandwich, there again, serve, serve it right up. No problem. He had all the protection he needed. His grandfather was the king. What he said went. He had all that power. There were walls around the castle that protected him. When he lay down at night to sleep, he knew that no, he was secured, that nobody was not going to bother him. Because Saul, his granddad, was sovereign head of the kingdom. You might say he was the tallest hog at the trough. Because he, when he spoke, other people uh, were listening. So, the privileges of being in the royal relationship. Now, go back with me just a little bit to the Garden of Eden. Eden. God said, let us make man in our own image. So, he created man and then he created the woman. He told them to be fruitful and multiply, and he was going to build his kingdom, spiritual kingdom. He would be their God and they would be his people. He would he would provide all the needs that meet all their needs. You remember he talks about despair. If he, he meets the needs of despairs, how much more will he meet our needs? And they were to uh, fellowship together and enjoy the presence of God. They would live together in the royal kingdom with their needs met by God. So just as Mephibosheth's circumstances separate any sin of his ancestors as well, separated him from that royal relationship that he was living in, sin also separated us from the royal relationship that man had with God in the beginning. So that brings us to the second point living in a ruined relationship. Let's look back at the text, and it says, David looks for someone that he can show kindness to uh, from Saul's house. Now, that's the opposite of what usually happened in that culture. When a new king would come on the throne, he would kill all of the apparent heirs of the family that was there, there before. So... Let's look, you can look back and we're not going to go there directly, but look back at 2 Samuel chapter 4, and it'll tell you what happened here. Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle against the Philistines, and when the news got back to Saul's house, Mephibosheth's nurse, he, I think he was about five at that time, Mephibosheth's nurse grabbed him up, and they were going to run, because they got to go somewhere and hide, so that David can't find them, because they knew in their heart that he was going to kill them, and wiped them out. And, but she dropped him, and then you you, hear, you see in the scripture it says, Mephibosheth was lame in both of, of his feet. So they, they left, and they hid in the house, probably a relative, a house of maker in Lodabar. Now, Lodabar is not a, a place you'd want to go to on vacation. The name itself means no pastor, no word, or no communication. It was a dry, barren land. There wouldn't anything grow there. There wasn't any, h- for the, the desolate people went there to live just to have somewhere to go. And uh, it was a life of ruin. And that's where Mephibosheth was. It's like a ghetto. And that's where he was. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on there. He was hiding there so David uh, wouldn't find him and kill him. That's a far cry from where he was living in the royal uh, relationship. He had a place to stay but he didn't have a lot of hope. So David says, is there anybody left in the house of Saul that I want to show him kindness? Now can you imagine the thoughts that running through Mephibosheth's head when he heard the king and his men come up? He he figured that this was probably going to be the end for him. But David said, he sent for him. He said, bring him to me. His life was in ruins. And he was separated from the life that he could have, could have lived. Now there's also a parallel here too. We were created for a royal relationship with God. But Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Sin entered. And they were cast out of the garden. And we've been running and trying to hide from God ever since. It's, it's our nature to sin and to do wrong and rebel. And you know, you and I, we've lived in our own little load of bars along our lives journey. Some of you may be still living in Lodabar, in a dry and a barren land. It may be no, you think there's no hope. You're trying to find hope in whatever you can find it in uh, material possessions, uh, wealth, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever. But you don't have to stay in Lodabar. David went to find Mephibosheth. And the Bible says that Jesus is doing that for us. It says the shepherd will leave the 99 and go find the one lost sheep. That's what David did for Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth, he was living in a royal relationship. Then he came to a ruined relationship. And that brings us to the third and final point, living in a restored relationship. Look back at the text in verse 6 and 7. It says, David... Uh, Mephibosheth comes to David and bows before him, and he's probably thinking, you know, this is probably going to be the end for me. But David said, Mephibosheth? And Mephibosheth said, Why would you even be interested in a dead dog like me, a worthless person with no hope or anything? You know, Paul said too, Woe is me, the chiefest of sinners. But David said, Mephibosheth, I'm not going to harm you, I'm going to show you kindness. For Jonathan's sake, I'm not going to do you harm. He said, I'm going to restore all the land and the possessions back to you that belong to you. And he told Ziba, Saul's servant, to go out and tend the land and make sure it would produce so that Mephibosheth would have have what he needed. But he says, uh, but for Mephibosheth, he will sit at my table. He will eat as one of the king's songs sons Mm. the scripture says he dwelt in Jerusalem and ate from the king's table but he was lame in both his feet it says that at the end of that passage he's restored but he's not perfect yet it's like us when we come to Christ we sometimes we still mess up and we do wrong but he sees us as being righteous because of the blood of his son Now, Jesus brought Mephibosheth out of Lodabar. Uh, Here again, there's another parallel here. You and I have lived in our own Lodabars. Life in ruin, living for the world. Seems like it's so dry that there's no hope. But I can tell you this morning that Jesus' grace has not run out. He still has plenty and he can restore you this morning he's calling you to faith and repentance salvation is by grace through faith Jesus came he became he flesh and dwelt among us he was born of a virgin he died he was buried he was resurrected he ascended back to the father and he's making intercession from us and I can tell you this morning that one day he's coming back to get the church So, is that where your faith is this morning? He's ready to bring you out of Lodabar. The benefits of the kingdom will then be yours. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. This is a great picture of grace this morning. And in closing, I'd like to read from one of my favorite commentators, David Guzik, about this passage right here. We are Mephibosheth. We are hiding, poor, weak, and lame, and fearful before a king comes to us. We are separated from our king because of our wicked ancestors and our deliberate actions. We separated ourselves from the king because we didn't know him or his love for us. Our king sought us out before we sought him. His kindness is extended to us for the sake of another. The king's kindness is based on covenant. We must receive the king's kindness in humility. The king returns to us what we lost in hiding from him, and he returns to us more than what we lost in hiding from him. We have the privilege of provision at the king's table. We are received as sons at the king's table with access to the king and fellowship with him. That's what God intended uh, in the beginning. The king's honor does not immediately take away all our weaknesses and all our lameness, but it gives us a favor and standing that overcomes its sting and changes the way we think about ourselves. David's grace to Mephibosheth is also a pattern for us in serving and ministering to others. We are David as well. We should seek out our enemies and seek to bless them. We should look for the poor, the weak, the lame, and hidden, to bless them we should bless others when they don't deserve it and bless them more than they deserve we should bless others for the sake of someone else and that someone else is Jesus so in closing this morning uh, God to sum this up God wants us to follow David's example by loving him and showing his grace to others just like he does to us Matthew 25 and verse 40. For those of you who've been to the children's home, there used to be a marker at one of their buildings, that verse 25:40. and this is what it says, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. It's time to come out of Lodabar. It's time to come to the king's table. I pray if the Lord's working in your heart this morning, that you'll do just that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for uh, all that you've given us this morning through Sunday school and through the singing of the hymns, Lord, and through your message and through your word this morning. Your word will not return void, Lord. We, may, we pray that uh, this message this morning would find lodging in someone's heart, Lord, that you would draw them close to you, that you would bring them out of the Lodabar, Lord, and bring them back to your table. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.